0: Welcome to Triple Threat, the podcast with Jamel President, where it's good news and good vibes all the time, baby.
1: When we left Portugal to come play with you and your system, Jamel, it was the best thing for Shane because you, you, you pushed him to do other things outside his box.
0: You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month.
2: Hey, what's up, guys? Coming up next, we got Coach Ben Betts. Uh, Coach Ben Betts uh, coach at the College of Charleston a couple of years when I was there and then um, led off to... A couple of different colleges across the country. Um, ended up head coaching at South Carolina State. Um, did a stint with Oklahoma, Blake Griffin, um, things of that nature. But what I got out of the interview was how important coaches and teachers are. Great interview about life lessons learned through coach bets. Coach bets travel. Um, so without further ado, let's just uh, let's get into the interview
1: coach best jamel president what's up my man <laughs> that guy what's, up, what's man? up man how you doing man I'm, I'm trying to make it trying to make it to tuesday man that's it I hear you man i hear you that's i hear it, you man. that's it man how you doing man i'm doing well doing well Can't complain, man and uh just trying to make it, man. You know That's how that is.
0: That's what's up. I ain't gonna yeah. take up too much of your time, man. I just oh, want to man. appreciate you uh yeah. you know coming on and taking time. You know, the the podcast, you know, with the foundation, we we serve as a soundboard to the community, you know, especially, you know, I, I call myself a student athlete activist. You know what I mean? Yeah. The things that you know I didn't have those uh those voids, those things I try to, you know, give the parents and give the community good information. And there's, there's no better information coming from you know, current coaches, former student-athletes. Um, I mean, the list goes on. So we try to just, you know, fill that up with information. So, you know, right, right. I'm, I'm ready to get into it. If if you are, yep, absolutely, man. I'm straight. I'm straight. That's the all right. Let's do it. All right, just triple threat with Jamel. President was good news and good vibes all the time, baby. On deck, we got Coach Ben Betts. Uh, like I told you in in the in the pre-cap, you know, Coach Betts spent two years with. That's the cause of Charleston. So we're just going to talk about the life of a student athlete. He was a former student athlete. You know, college coaching and recruiting. What look? What you know? What coaches look for in student athletes and so forth. So, right, getting right into it, coach. You know, we first came on the scene. You know, we as players, you know, we don't we don't do research. We don't look in things and figure out who's this guy coming in. Where did he play? We don't check out the credentials because we trust the coach who's coming in. But after you know, you know, talking to you in a couple of days, I went back and looked. You know, the Wikipedia. I see that you played, and you know, so let's let you know before we get into that, talk about before we even get into talk about um, you know your parks and rivals like when it first started. You know what I mean? Because like a a player, you played at 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 Roanoke, but what happened in those younger years when you know things first started when you started falling falling in love with this thing?
1: Yeah, you know, and Jamal certainly, man. I'm I appreciate you having me on and. You know, just to kind of touch a little bit about, you know, my youth, you know, I grew up in a small town called Madison Heights, Virginia. And and man, I started playing basketball. I got kinda introduced to it at the recreational league level. And uh, you know, I was on a little team and called a supersonics, man. And that's how, you know, kids in the neighborhood, they got all put on these teams, it's kinda like stand lot basketball. That's basically right. what it was. Right. right. And uh so that's how I kind of got started in playing, but always loved to play, had a basketball goal in our backyard, and people in the neighborhood, cousins, family, would always come to the house and play. Right. uh, You know, obviously at that point in time, it was just kind of playing the game for fun. Right. And, uh, you know, but I continued on with it through junior high school and on into high school. And, uh, but, you know, probably in our area, you know, we, we used to play a lot, especially even when I was in junior high school. Well, we had courts at the junior high school, but we would play in the mornings before school would start. You and, mean like
0: uh, pick up games? Yeah,
1: just for kids. Yeah, we would play in the mornings. And man, that's how we would get our runs. And obviously, we'll play there on the weekends and stuff like that. But, you know, that was just kind of the thing. And right. uh, but also, you know, our nearest town, the city was called Lynchburg, Virginia. and then we would play against a lot of guys, a lot of different high schools and maybe college players. We would play at the parks. And, uh, you know, we had Peaksby Park. We would play over there every Sunday, every Sunday, man. We would just get in the car, go over there and play and spend all day over there playing in the park. We had Miller, we had Miller Park. That was another park there in town that we played because it rarely did we play, you know, at our high school because our high school, the school I attended was called Amherst County High School, but you know it just wasn't a lot of runs in the gym per se. We right, so right. had to go places and play. Right, and uh so you know that just kind of really got me going in the game. And uh obviously, you know, played in high school, and then from there, you know, I played at Roanoke College, got the opportunity to get recruited and play at Roanoke College. And <clears throat> played there. well, you
0: said, well, you said, you said something right quick where you know, you started moving into, into high school um, and, you know, to obtain a scholarship, you had to be some type of an athlete. So, you know, talk about your years, what was your high school years, you know, look like, what was the recruiting was, you know, look like far as like, um, and and now in time, you know, you can't really judge, you know, D2, D3, everybody got talent. It's all about numbers, especially being a a you know, a a collegiate coach in recruiting. It's all about numbers. You know, sometimes you get the best talent. Talk about, those times, what happened in those, those senior years, and how did you end up at Roanoke? Yeah, and what, you know, yeah.
1: in our high school, we had a pretty decent team, pretty 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 solid program. I mean, you know, we got to the semifinals of the state one year and then got to the regionals another year. Um, but, you know, the thing that kind of with our, our program, which we had some really good players to come through our, our high school and play and go on to play to college, and some didn't. but you know, man, it was, uh, you know, like in most places, man, it was always some older guys that kind of put you under that wing. Right. And, and, uh, so man, you know, we were just, man, those are the guys that older players that we would play against. And, you know, that was kind of really, really good for me, especially playing against older guys, played against older guys all the time right? and a lot of times against grown men. And, uh, so, you know, when we played and, and, man, we had some of those older guys that played on the high school team, you know, that kind of really, man, kind of, you know, got me driven towards the, the opportunity and more thinking about college right. and that kind of thing. And right. uh, so, you know, I got into my senior year and that's when schools kind of started recruiting me. And I, and I was pretty much a small college basketball player. Right. Right. Uh, right. I played right. pretty much the point guard position all through high school, but that changed once I got to college. But also, you know, like at the time, when I was coming through high school, we really didn't have an AAU program that was, you know, localized. Yeah, so it wasn't that avenue of really getting seen by a lot of coaches. Right. right. Uh, If it wasn't probably for a close friend of mine named James Penix, who went to Roanoke College two years ahead of me, I may or may not have gotten that opportunity to get recruited by Roanoke College.
0: And, and uh, check this really out. Sure. And, and and that small little piece could have been a, a game changer for your life.
1: Exactly. exactly. You, you know what I'm saying?
0: Because exactly. with this round ball, this thing has put you in position to, you know, make a career out of coaching. So that's small. And, and there's always – and that's why, that's why it's so important I tell families that it, it ain't always – because your family can do nothing for you at that time.
1: Right. Right. You know what I mean, right. it's something
0: else. Somebody else that has some credibility or some know-how or some knowledge of opportunity to give you, and you, and you, you know, you cashed in on that. So yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, catch up with that.
1: And, and you know, just to piggyback on that, man, you know, when we talk about younger kids, you know, like say rising juniors or sophomores, but yet, man, it may be a senior on that team that's getting recruited by some schools, mm. and you kind of take it for granted, even though that coach or program maybe coming to watch their senior and man you know you just really not in tune where nah not they're not coming to watch me right. or well, right. you'll be surprised as to you know when people come into your gym who they're watching what they're looking for and you know a lot of times you may think that that coaches may not make note of you as, as a younger player a lot of times they do and right. uh you know one thing about coaches when they see players man certain things just stick out and lock in and young, whether you're old. And so, you know, those things are important. So, you know, when I, man, got the opportunity to go to college, you know, after I kind of went through the recruiting process, I kind of knew where I wanted to go. Uh, The proximity and close to home was good. My family could still support me. And, but also I was very familiar, but also, man, where it goes to, when you talk about making that college decision at the time, you know, I was going to a school where I knew somebody was already, that I played with, that was a neighborhood guy. We were friends. We knew each other. So the familiarity of me going to a place where I already knew someone, you know, it was kind of a little bit of a connection as well to kind of make it all work, to make it all fit. But uh,
0: and, and let me piggyback off that for for the listeners. And we talk about, talk about the bag of rice, per se, Coach, right? Mm-hmm. A six dollar bag of rice is not going to sell in Peggy Wiggly. Mm-hmm. It's going to sell in Whole Foods. Right. A two dollar right. bag of rice is not going to be offered in Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. It's going to sell at Peggy Wiggly. Right. So whatever value you you are as a player, you, that's where you got to take your talent. You can't take if you were two dollar. You know if you if you value that two dollars and you can't be trying to get into Division One schools. Right. 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 If you if you six dollar bag of rice, then you shouldn't be wasting your time with. D3 schools. Right. But here's a, here's, a, here's, a, here's a switch part of that. The catch-22 is that suppose you were a $6 bag of rice and a, and a D3 school in these day and time is, is looking at you. Because of their system, their style of play and positioning, that's like the school that you want to go to because of your value might not be a good fit because they got other players that can play that same position. So, exactly. you know, in those times, you like you said, you're coming up that role, that kind of situation in play in your decision making but that's crucial in, the, in these days and times that plays and understand we'll get into that more about yep. the value of where where they need to go yep so yep. after you got into after you got into roanoke what was the situation was it an eye-opener for you because I, I tell people all the time when i got to school my, all my clothes were pink because mm-hmm. you know I, I washed everything you know in, right. in, in, in one <laughs> it was just right. It was, it was an right. eye-opening to me. So, so yep. take us into the fresh me and on through. Okay. Yeah, you know, uh,
1: it was an eye-opener. Um, and, you know, probably, you know, when you go, you really don't want probably understand the whole realm of, man, you got to compete for playing time mm. until you get in that, that camp, per se. And, man, you got 12 guys, 13 guys that's just as good as you are. Mm. regardless of what kind of career you've had in high school. Right. And, you know, that that wasn't out. And so, you know, every day I played against guys that were just as good or better. Right. And, uh, but yet, you know, probably maybe some situations where I may have been better than some guys. But still, man, the level of, of, of competing every day and you got to earn every minute that you get and, then all the other stuff that comes around as far as working and like, I always like when I always like to evaluate myself, but man, I didn't really mature as far as the game to really, uh, when I got in my senior year or even when I was done. And cause you look back and I mean, I'd be like, man, I didn't work. Right. I didn't work hard enough. Right. I didn't right. do some of the other stuff, man. to really try to make my game or really try to make myself better. So, uh, So that was a a very, man, like you said, a very eye-opening experience. The other thing, man, and, you know, I see it all the time, is that my first semester, I struggled academically. Mm. Struggled. Mm. And I remember, man, vividly, man, at the end of the first semester calling my mom. It was one of the hardest calls I ever made, but she she was really good supporting me because, man, I was on the verge of just getting kicked out of school because I wasn't Mm. doing what I needed to be doing academically. So, you know, had that part that I had to kind of deal with as well. And then on the other side with the basketball. But, uh, you know, I, once again, I had good teammates. I had guys that I was familiar with, guys that I trusted, guys that I know, man, that, that pushed me. Um, and a lot of guys, you know, that I was, you know, close to in college, still very close with. Uh, but yet, that was a really, really, uh, man, it was a, a different experience. And I was somewhat close to home. I was an hour, some chains away. Right. But, and I never really got homesick or nothing like that. Um, you know, I always felt, you know, good leaving home and knowing what I had to do and taking care of my business and being mature about it. But yet, it was different. It was right. different.
2: In today's time, our message. We got Stacy Harris. That was personal, man. That that was personal
1: because you know one of the one of the two schools that man all every
3: kid pretty much growing up in that area want to go to is Georgetown or Maryland, right? I mean, those are the two powerhouses, man. And you, you had players who you always looked up to,
1: you
0: know, Walt, Walt the Wizard, um, Patrick oh, Ewing, those great teams at Georgetown. Wow, and so. Man, just to get an opportunity
3: like that to play them on that kind of stage, uh, man, I tell you, I, I it, 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 it was, it was something that you a kid only dreams about.
0: Now let's get back to the interview. You know, I know that you know. It said you know in your uh, bio that you y'all played in the. Division three um you know playoffs you know back in Roanoke. um you know talk about that because you know uh they, i don't think you played professionally or played after school what no, triggered what triggered the movement into into coaching uh being having a uh you know mastered in in, in physical education right what okay. triggered into coaching would you did you always want to be a coach did you i mean because as i talk different coaches it seemed like you know, things trigger that versus this is right. where I wanted to be. This is where I wanted to go. What What was the trigger?
1: Yep. You know, my probably when I went to college, my whole plan was to get a teacher's degree. I, I did my undergrad in physical education, so my plan was. My mom was a school teacher. School teacher for years, taught so many kids in the neighborhood, and man, so but yet, you know, so early on through my stages of, you know, getting into high school and going to college, the education side was extremely important. Uh, It was installed in me early, but my plan was to go get a job, teach high school, and probably get into high school coaching. So my senior year, uh, a really close friend of mine who I'm close with now, his name is Adam Pryor, he really got involved in the coaching side through at the time, really the main way that you got into coaching was through a graduate assistantship.
2: Sure. That was the avenue.
1: Sure. Didn't have director of basketball operations, didn't have player development. Mm. So that graduate assistantship was the way you got involved. And uh, so, you know, he, he started off, and that kind of really, man, triggered my mindset of, man, that's something I really want to do or want to try to, you know, get involved with. But also, you know, the academics was important enough to me, too. Once I got a feel about the graduate assistantship, I knew that was an avenue for me to continue my education and get a graduate degree. Mm-hmm. And But yet, still the whole concept of getting into coaching. I know he had went to Millersville University and he went to University of Maryland for a few years. I went up there and worked a camp with Gary Williams. He was the head coach. My buddy Adam was there on staff and got a chance to see it from a whole new level. Right. Uh, you're talking about an ACC school and how it kind of operates, but but got a chance to work camp. And so that kind of even piqued my interest more. So, uh, man, my, my senior year, my college coach, his name is Paige Moyer, or had two college coaches, Paige Moyer and Ed Green. Coach Moyer was close with uh, – he had, he had worked at another school with someone who was an assistant at South Carolina State. South Carolina State had a graduate assistant position open. Coach Alexander, who was the first coach I worked for, and that's how I got into the the coaching for the graduate assistantship.
0: And you said something crucial. that I want all the, you know, potential, you know, college coaches and high school players and, you know, thinking about this profession. One key word you say was avenue. And Mm -hmm. the number you say along avenue was one. You know what I mean? Talk about the avenues for education. What's the difference? I heard you mention graduate assistant, skill development. What are the other avenues that they can be considered that that wasn't there when when you started that could be much more, you know, much more optional for for interest?
1: Yeah, you know, like for now, a lot of times it's for guys. So, like, you know, now even as graduate managers, uh, you know, those kind of opportunities are definitely open there. So now, like some of the other positions, with some, which are sometimes on most staffs, in most cases are non-coaching positions, mm. but yet you're involved with the staff. So you have mm. graduate assistant, you have a director of basketball operations, you have mm. player development coaches. Um, you know, so there's different titles now, which can be entry-level positions to get involved you know, and to get on a staff. And then after that, you just got to kind of work your way up and that kind of thing. So, you know, working camps and all those kind of things. But now it's a broader window, you know, of how you can maybe potentially get involved. I mean, like right now, I mean, if you're an AAU coach and you got some really good players and you got some really, really good guys, I mean, you know, now, man, coaches will say, well, okay, you know, that's once again, it's just kind of direct contact that sure. You know, you even see some places where, you know, players' dads get hired on a time. Right. Right. Uh, you know, so it's just a different aspect now of how you can get involved with
0: coaching. It's not a bad thing, it's all about relationships because no. you gotta figure, yeah. like you said, you got to run no roll no, you exactly. you because you knew somebody. Exactly. The coaching because you knew somebody. College coaches only using their resources to make things happen to better men for, for the better. You know, their situations. And nothing, nothing's wrong there at all. My, my book. You know, that's like a, like a business, a business. A businessman having, you know, uniting with the community. You know, relations right. to make the business better.
1: That's right. That's right. Our um, profession, you know, without a doubt, it, it's a, it's a heavy relationship business. Uh, you know, and it's, and that's the thing about it that you know, even in our profession, it's amazing how it can kind of go full circle. Right. A uh, man where, you know, like, for example, me and a guy named Coach John Kaufman had worked together at Charleston for mm. years, mm. Uh, years and years ago. Mm. But now it just goes full circle where, man, I've been in the profession for a while. He's been in it. He has a job at IPFW and man, mm. I'm fortunate enough to go work mm. for him for a year. So it's just amazing how those things kind of, man, you know, you got to make sure you treat people right, right? Uh, that you do things the right way. And yet, like you, you know, you mentioned about the relationship, continue to build those relationships and to, you know, keep those relationships that you formed years and years ago, uh, keeping that contact, et cetera, For and those sure. kind of things.
0: For sure. So let's segue into the next topics where, you know, I mean, you've been in the coaching over 30 years, you know what I mean? Um, let's go down the list and talk about you know, something you learned from the either the institution or the head coach, which would be a nugget you learned from that time you went at that school, and how do you apply it to your everyday life right now? Uh, you can start yeah. with
1: South Carolina State. Yep, so South Carolina State, I worked for a guy named Coach Cy Alexander, and he's retired right now, but you know, he was someone who was really passionate about the game, passionate about the players. But he always wanted to connect with the players in the sense that he he met with players all the time. Mm. Met with them all, a lot of individual meetings. And, uh, you know, just really had that connection where he really, man, just went way beyond just the time he needed to, but just to make sure and take the extra time, to meet with the players one thing that i he helped me which I, I i'll always you know think or feel fortunate about was that when i got on that as, as a graduate assistant even when i became a four-time assistant he gave me a ton of responsibilities mm. and you know sometimes guys be thinking man why is all this thrown on me Or, oh, man mm. i can't do all this but It helped me tremendously, and even now, it helped me tremendously then because I got a chance to touch on pretty much everything that went on in the program, Mm. from, you know, team travel, from helping to put together a budget, from academics, from skill development, even getting in the weight room. So study hall, Mm. got a chance to do all those things, and that really prepared me Mm. uh, so that, you know, because what happens sometimes, you know, even as a player, if uh, I want to kind of put this in a player's kind of uh, analogy. Man, if you're a player and you can only do one thing, uh, you know, your value won't be as good as a player that can be extremely versatile and do a variety of things. Mm. So, you know, that just really helped me moving forward. So that if I got another job somewhere and I had to take on this responsibility, I had already done it. Now, obviously, different places do things differently, but I had a pretty good grasp of maybe what was going on in that particular area that I could kind of take it and run with it. Gotcha. So, uh, you know, that, w- that was, you know, huge for me. And, uh, you know, then I got the opportunity to work for Coach Cress, Right. And, and uh, I'll be honest, that's probably where I learned the most uh, about, Obviously, the X's and O's, uh, just about the coaching side, uh, man. And, and, and then just about, to the defensive philosophy, um, you know, that's where things really broaden for me as far as a, a coach and, you know, more even more about the game and being well, able me, to coach the me, game.
0: Let me pause you right there and I want you to continue, but I want to just insert something right quick. Because that's personal for me, and you know, I want to listen. I want to just tie in, tie in something with that, you know. And I tell people all the time about the preparation, you know, about we being places at seven thirteen and seven twenty seven, has times for that. So, <laughs> so talk. You know, you you mentioned something briefly that I want to relate and tie in together. When you said when you first got to college and everybody was just as good, and you had to kind of figure it out, mm-hmm. and taking myself in the Coach crest system man, that was the toughest m- mental time in my life where the system the plays the hey. I mean, everything brought down to a t like you had to fake basketball there's no more playing it, at itself so that's why I want you know talk about you know take take the audience you know a little back into those into those those video days and just where not players, but just y'all coaches. And, and some of the things where he would say were, you know, where, you know, like we haven't heard before, but it, it, the, the meaning behind it was possible. Where, where initially you probably know where it's coming from, but you understood right. the from that. Can you take us? Yeah, you?
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, so one of the things with, with Coach Kress, the details are extremely important and you know this as well as anybody, where in a particular play, it wasn't just go over here and set the screen, the timing about when the ball came across the floor, the timing when that guard dribbled two dribbles to the lane line. And then, you know, that's when you started your cut. It was so integral about the details and about the timing and about how everything kind of just had to work. And that was crucial. Um, that you know, so much time was spent on that as far as when it came to the execution of plays, and but yet, you know, when that execution was on point, right? Oh man, it it was it was it was special, it was special, you know, when you ran a JU right or JU left and that guy is flat, wide open under the basket, you know what I'm saying? And everybody had to work together in that play to make it happen, right. But the details were extremely important. Um, you know, so as a, as a coaching staff, which probably many people don't realize, as individual coaches, rarely were we in our offices. And you know this, wow. Mel, man. We had that video wow. room. Right, And right. that's where we met as a staff from 8 in the morning to the time we had practice. Mm. And so one thing about Coach Cress and how – everything was run that we would sit in that video room the entire day. As you mentioned, we may break for lunch and he may say, come back. We may break at 12 and let's be back at 1246. <laughs> it wasn't 1245. For the coaches it was, be? It for the coaches. So that, that same thing you mentioned about the time, it was the same thing. Uh It wasn't, wasn't a minute wasted per mm-hmm. se. So but we would go over everything within the program and, Man, you know, it wasn't like typically you, you're in your office, you're making phone calls, you're making recruiting calls. No, it didn't operate like that. And, gotcha. uh, but everything was discussed thoroughly about what was going on in the program, the players. We watched a ton of film. You know, that video room had one table, had about six or seven chairs around it. And then you had a big screen TV that sat in the middle of the floor. And, man, we would sit there and we would watch film. We would watch film on us. We would watch film on our opponents. But, and then that same room, you know, this was utilized for scouting reports. Right, right, So, to this day, man, we had to fit everybody in that room, all 15 players. We lined them chairs up. We put everything on the board. It was a chalkboard, wasn't a dry race board.
2: Mm-hmm. And we
1: went on down the line. Right, And right. uh, but yet, you know, the, the details was extremely important. uh. You know, even as coaches, we met a lot on the floor. So while you guys were obviously in class, you know, in in practice gym, well, we would go down on that floor and we would go through all of our plays. We would go through as coaches, even as coaches. You know, one through five, five coaches. Man, you play a certain position. And, man, we're going to those plays and we're talking about it. And we're talking about the angle on the screen. We're talking about the time that they're making the play. Yeah, are
0: talking about the personnel that goes along with those plays. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: The reason why
0: we want Elijah to do what he's doing is because we don't want a pro athlete. I mean, you know, we're not thinking about professional basketball, but we feel like it helps him – be a better person because it instills discipline. He's being held accountable. So he's, he's holding himself accountable for getting better and improving and building on what he already knows. Raising a student athlete is just as important as being one. I talk about this all the time, how much, how much mind games he plays how he gets every little bit out of you and he dangle that like carrot. You know, sometimes you nope. don't like it, but he's never, he's never the thing about it, he's always fair. He's never nope. you know, unfair. He's gonna give you what you earn, you know what I mean, right. all the time. And that's that's one nope. thing that I that I love about him. And one thing he told me that made me understand and respect him, um, you know, the whole time, Coach Benson, you're probably gonna laugh when I say this, but I never got any calls for me. Like, right. Coach <laughs> never, gave me, never gave me calls, Coach. We, would, right, we, we right. would be pregame, and you would see Russell Wright, Jacksonville. You would never – I would never see a C for Jamel. Right. Nothing. You know what? And, you know, we, we, we talked about it. And I said, Coach, you know, you, you never gave – you know, he's like, well, Jamel, I knew you would get yours. Mm-hmm. I knew okay. you would get yours. Right. He said, I didn't have to, said, didn't have to depend on you offensively you were my defensive stopper. And right. said, I knew right. that I, I could depend on you because I had to buck the system.
1: Right, right, There's right. no way I
0: right. had to buck the system. And nope. you know that's what I learned from but, him. Like Instead of reading people and, and, and imagining things, how people think about you, just do what you do.
1: Exactly, do you do. exactly. You, you, Mel, you're so right about that. And that's what happens, I think, a lot of times now days with guys they, they 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 get so they try to fight the system they try to fight it instead of man take who you are and plug it into the system and allow the system or use the system to work for you right and uh you know that was the thing too that like you, you you're right because and here's where like you know when you talk about a fairness thing across the board everybody had to earn it well, you know, there there was no quote-unquote scout team. So, man, when we played somebody, right. you know how that thing was? Man, those first five guys had to go against it, and then those other guys had to right. go against it. So everybody right. had to know the opponent's stuff. Right. Uh, right. So, man, if we had sets that the opponent ran, everybody knew it. But also, you know, on the flip side of that, that was a, 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 a one of the ways in which, man, defensively, how we could just be so strong on teams, sure. not only just knowing their stuff. For sure. But, you know, I think one thing about – I th- I would say this, and you correct me if I'm wrong, that system taught guys a lot about the game, both from the mental aspect of it and also playing. uh and where I, I think that you know like it I don't know if I want to use the word force but it forced you to think the game and once you figured out thinking the game and then just going out there and play
0: it was so easy
1: man. yeah exactly.
0: You know, Sheikh told me Sheikh came there bets first day you know shake put a put a ball on the floor. Yep. He put the ball on the floor. He's like what Wait. he can understand it right right He's like, dude coming dude say. How do you get open so much? Why? I said, you know what, bro? Like anywhere in life, mm-hmm. set the pick. Right, right. Set the pick. If right. I set the pick, I'm going to draw two to me. I mean, I'm going to draw right. two to you when I set the pick. My man going to help, <laughs> and your man going to follow. That's right. The ball That's is right. always faster than the person. Mm-hmm. Set mm-hmm. the pick. You're going to be open. Either the second pass or the, first, the second pass of off, 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 uh, off a pick, you're going to be open because that swing coming, he can't convert that quickly. Exactly. Exactly. And exactly. that was Coach Kress, to sacrifice in life, like, give it up. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. Need something for somebody else, knowing that you're going to get yours, too.
1: Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yep. We,
0: yep. we can talk all day about Coach Up. Uh, yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's go to um, the VCU, because I, yep. uh, uh, Jeff Capo, the dad, recruited me when he yep. was at AT&T. Yep. But I, I didn't go there because I'm not a full q but but, you know, I, I, I still, still you know, keep in contact with and one again, but just tell, tell about
1: VCU. Yeah, yeah. You know, got a chance to work for Coach Capel that first year. It was his first year at VCU. Um, as the head coach, he had been there uh, a couple of years as an assistant. And uh, it was funny. I was on a Zoom call last night. And we were just talking about some, some of the coaches I worked for. And, man, that was just a phenomenal experience because I worked for him at VCU. And then I worked for him again at the University of Oklahoma after I left South Carolina State as the head coach. Right. But, man, you know, you talk about at the time he was a young coach. And, man, his – I always thought, man, he just had a unique way of getting through and connecting to players. Mm. Um, you know, one, you know, he he just really had, man, a special way of, man, just really, really – like connecting with guys, communicating with them, but also, man, getting them to really maximize their potential and be the best that they could be. Um, but also now, you know, even as a player, and this is even the case when he got to Oklahoma and even when he was at at VCU, man, that he could still play the game. So yeah. it, I tell people all the time, man, it'd be nothing like, you know, you're in practice and some dudes just ain't, Running a drill, right? He jumps in there, and man, he's one of the best players on the floor. Wow, uh, you know, and that, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, he had a great mind. Has a great mind for for you know the offensive side and teaching guys, and then also defensively. Uh, but you know, man, he could not only just coach and teach the game, but man, he'd also get in there and interact. Right. So that's a whole different angle. When you're a player, it's one thing to be you know, taking instruction from a coach as a coach. Right. Now, when your coach is out there playing, you know, that just adds a whole different perspective to it. So, and uh, so, you know, I learned one of the things from him I learned, man, about, about how you treat your players, how you handle your players, uh, how you connect with your players. Uh, and, man, he just, you know, really, really – Created an environment, man, where guys would come through the office all the time, and they love getting there and spending time with him. And you know, just truly a player's coach. And you know, obviously he played and been through a lot of the recruiting stuff, but played at the highest level. You know, he played at Duke, and uh, so man, I learned a a ton from him as well. And uh, but you know, great person. Man, you know, just, just, this man, just.
0: The dad, the dad is awesome. Usually, you come from a good family. You gonna, you gonna be. Yeah. Yup. To yep, yep, yep. coach, I was, going into um, going to South Carolina State, you you know it's your first year head coaching, and I want to ask you, you know, as assistant coach at College of Charleston, we be, you know, we became buddies. We talk and you know, but is do head coaches gotta have a different relationship with their players than? The assistant coaches does because you don't want to show favoritism, and, and, and because then you you can't get the best out of players when you do that. But right. at the same time, you still want to have a good relationship with them. Yeah, what I did when I was coaching, what I do is at the end of practice, sometimes I would line all my players up, right? Mm-hmm. I say, Hey, Joe, you're lacking on defense, but you can shoot the ball real well. Hey, Rob, hey. Rebound, you, you can be a great rebounder, but you have no effort. But mm-hmm. you really, really, you know, you set good picks. Like, I would, I would do that because players want to know, how do my coach feel about me? Because mm-hmm. if you're telling me in my office one-on-one, then, eh. But if I'm telling you in front of everybody, right? Now, when right. I call you out on something that I tell you you do wrong, you should be you should feel fine with that because I'm not calling you out. This is something that I already established with you. Talk right. about as a coach, as a head coach, what are the differences in relationships and also some of the things that you've learned that, that, that applied you to be a, a, a head coach as well.
1: Yeah, you know, that and that is important that as even as a head coach and even as an assistant, but in particular as a head coach, I wanted to make sure, one, that I treated everybody fairly. That's, that's very, very important to me. Uh, but also that I interacted with everybody in the same sense where, one, that they understand and know that they have value and that they're important. Mm. Uh, so, you know, when I got to South Carolina State, um, there were some really good players that, that, that stayed. But also because at the time we were dealing with some APR issues when I right. got the job at South Carolina State. right. So I had to take on some walk-ons. right. And those walk-ons helped me win, mm. helped us win. Mm. Uh, so, they were really, really valuable. But from one, from the on down the line, it was important. That's just the way I am and how I feel about it. But everybody's important. Everybody has a purpose. Everybody has value. Right. And I'm just using it for an example. Not to say this was the case, but sometimes, you know, a player, your value may just be a great energy guy. For sure. Man, you know. Sure. You know, it may be where man just just bring a good attitude and mentality to practice every day. Uh, you know, other guys, you know, once again, they had their roles. But, you know, it's interesting that you said that because I know in what you just stated, you were very clear about what guys could do, but also you are very clear about what guys can not do. And it. I think players nowadays need to know clearly what they do well, mm-hmm. but also let them know what they don't do well. Right. And what I try to do, whether it's in individual meetings or in front of the team or with the team, is, man, dealing facts. For sure. You know, let's be straight up. For sure. Uh, You know, I'm going to always let you know where you stand. Uh, If you got any questions, I'm, I'm more than happy to sit down and discuss it with you because, you know, that's the thing where players, I think they operate better when they know the truth. Open line of communication. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, that, you know, I've also I think that helps them focus right, on the thing that, that maybe they can kind of not have a whole lot of stuff floating around in their head. They know clearly, okay, I'm good at this. I'm not good at this. This is what I need to get better at. These are my strengths. And, and then, you know, helping them to show how they can bring that to the program or be utilized in the system. I think that's part of the coaching part, you know what I mean?
0: And and I think, you know, I'll go back to, you know, we were coaching like when I would come, you know, and talk to you, I didn't really I wasn't coming to you to come cheat the game and be like coach, tell me what's going on or hey coach, mm-hmm. what do I got. I didn't that wasn't our conversation. Our conversation was just totally based on some just having a conversation. Right. That made me feel comfortable. I took the stress okay. off of me. So next day in practice like <clears throat> man that's all for me. I'm, I'm, I'm good because right. I felt, right. and I trusted you. And I felt like, honest, honestly speaking, I felt like if I was doing anything wrong, or in danger, you would have told me confident. in confidence. Just as a person, hey, look, this, these things you need to do, bro, you're not. And so those, we didn't have this conversation. So I just felt like it was in me internally that I needed to just figure it out for myself.
4: Mm-hmm. You,
2: know I mean?
0: mm-hmm. you told me that without telling me anything.
2: Right, you know? right. That right.
0: and support that players, if I don't have nobody to talk to, reach out to, I got to deal with this myself. It's, hey, it's, it's
1: Absolutely. Man, Mel, you were right on it there, man, because, you know, even as assistant coaches and, you know, I know, like, I work for different, different head coaches and some were more player oriented, some weren't, you know. But as an assistant, man, it's, it's our jobs, And even my role now is I got to figure out how to develop relationships you know, with the players and and really, really get to know them. And, you know, like now it's just – and obviously I take this for an example, man. Back then it wasn't a whole lot of cell phones. It wasn't a whole lot of texting. You had to, man, get face-to-face with a guy.
0: Exactly. You
1: know, so, man, those conversations, you know, sometimes I'm not saying that was the case between you and I or anybody. It was just a lot different. Man, you had to really sit down and get eye-to-eye, eye, man. Just just really talk about some stuff.
2: In today's Time my Message, we got J.P. Pearson.
5: I remember seeing you in high school, and you made that jump. Got over to uh, Coach Cress at the College of Charleston, and you were really, really good. And I know the things that you had to go through. The things that that system teaches you is detail. Yes, sir. And if you're not ready to accept that kind of detail, your process of learning or being on that floor for a long time is going to take a longer time. Yes, sir. Um, You know, I went from a system of schemes where there may have been four, five different sets and set plays. And then with Coach Chris, who I have to say is the best teacher of this game that I've ever had. This man had, uh, this man, I mean, if you counted them all, it might have been anywhere from 15 to 20 man-to-man plays and, and, and maybe 15 zone plays. For sure. And they don't necessarily look the same. And his expectation level of detail and execution was super high, Yes, sir. And if you didn't adjust to that, it would take you a long time in that system.
2: Now let's get back to the interview.
1: And that was probably good, but you know, it was just a different level of communicating then, you know? And uh, because everything was either done on a meeting or you know, man, you know how I did you come to Coach Crest's office? And no, you know,
0: you know why I'm laughing though. You no, know I'm laughing.
1: <laughs> What's up?
0: On me, <clears throat> I was dating that girl at South Carolina State, <laughs> and we came back from what what time we came in. Coach didn't play me that much. I was le- I didn't come to practice the next day, and <laughs> I I told her, I I don't know whatever I was like screw it, <laughs> and I'm at the game with her and who I see at the game. <laughs> I'm like, God, dang. But that's just one of them things. Like, you know, like, and I'm pretty sure it's, it's major stories that across the country, man, like, how do you deal with situations like that? And that's, that's what players do. They, they just tap out like.
1: Right, 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 right. That
0: wasn't a good move for me. That wasn't a mature right. move. You know, right. I'm 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 as a player at the, at the school, I'm obligated to do things I need to do, regardless of how the coach. I got to do my job. Right. I, I didn't show up to work. Yep. In right. my feelings, right. which is not mm-hmm. the right thing to do. You know.
1: Right. Right. Right.
0: I know. Let's uh let's talk about the um. You talk about Oklahoma. Let's talk about the Tennessee State. Tennessee State in uh, IPFW. What are the things you learned from there?
1: Yep. Uh, You know, at at Tennessee State, I worked for a guy named Travis Williams, who I would known a little bit in the profession and known him well over the years. And so when I got there, man, had a chance. You know, they had a really good player now who actually plays for the Houston Rockets named Rob Covington. Oh, yeah. And uh, so, but Rob got drafted after he left Tennessee State by Houston, went to the Sixers, then got traded to Minneapolis. And uh, now back to Houston. But, um, you know, that was a good experience, too, because uh, I was in transition between Oklahoma and Tennessee State. And, uh, man, just getting the opportunity to, to go back and work for another HBCU in a different league, really, really good league, a lot of good players, a lot of good coaches. But that was a really, really good experience as well, those two years there. And then left there and went and worked for Coach Kaufman, who's doing a really, I mean, doing a heck of a job up there at IPFW. And, uh, man, you know, there, they had just come off of a year which they had, uh, you know, right there where they needed to be to possibly get to the tournament. But that was a great experience and work for him. And, you know, Coach Kaufman, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, he is a very detailed oriented guy as well. When it comes to you know how everything's being run and all that stuff, so that was another great experience, and yes. uh, I enjoyed working for Coach Coffin, and we certainly stay in contact. And, but man, you know he's uh, and he was there, and he really helped build that thing there at IPFW. Right. And uh, obviously, when the head coach left, he got the job there, and uh, and obviously they they just moved into a different league, the Horizon. Right. Out of the Summit League, but man, he's going to be extremely successful there.
0: So you know, you talk about the different levels of school from South Carolina State to Oklahoma to VCU's. I mean, that's that's different levels of competition. There's different levels of budgeting, different level of athletes, different levels of a bunch of different things. Right? Compare compare the level to for the audience the level of one, the student the student athletes, the, the interest level the athletes from the compared to a bigger school to a smaller school and then the support, like, you know what I mean? Budget wise, yeah, yeah, bigger school got bigger budgets, but is that school that's supportive as the schools with, with lesser budgets? Talk about that in comparison with all those different experiences you have and, and and share some light on that.
1: Yeah, you know, I'll tell you what, I'll compare a few few things. So like at a South Carolina State, which we had success there got into the NCAA tournament that was the the first time I'd gone to the NCAA tournament as a, you know obviously as a college coach it happened there in South Carolina State um, but you know yet you know South Carolina State the resources uh, to operate just aren't the same as opposed to like an Oklahoma when you talk about a power five institution and where you have more resources for your team, for your team travel, for, you know, you're talking about charter flights and all that, all that good stuff. But, you know, yet now the athlete consistently in talent level at Oklahoma is, is higher.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yet, you know, like at a, uh, South Carolina State, you know, it kind of pretty caps off. But your your top four to five guys may be really, really good, and it might be a drop-off a little bit as far as the time level on your team. Mm, mm, um, mm. But compare, like, you guys, that team, those teams we had at Charleston, I mean, I'm just being real honest that a lot of you guys could have played at a lot of places. Right, right. And But that team and that program – you know, night in, night out, could compete with a lot of teams and a lot of programs. For sure. Uh, so, you know, when you talk about now the College of Charleston and then maybe a BCU at that time, you know, like you may look at it now and may say, well, BCU may be the bigger or better program where at the time, man, the College of Charleston, you talk about support and people getting into our games, and playing in that atmosphere, and winning. Well, you know that was on a pretty high level. For sure. Uh, you know, with one team, we finished what ranked 16th in the country. Yep. One yep. year, yep. and uh, you know, then talking about one year we went undefeated. That was that same year, I think. You know, in the conference, 2003 season. Yep. That's right. That's right. So you know, it was. You know, a different and level. I lost 12
0: games. I lost 12 games my whole career, I think. Right, like, right. And right. I, never lost a, I never lost a conference. A conference when we went into postseason, never lost a postseason game, wow. never lost a postseason conference championship. Wow, wow. wow.
1: And that's, that's something really nowadays, man, unheard of. When you talk about winning on that level and as a player being a part of that and winning like that. So, right. You know, it's different things that, you know, obviously – you know, to set programs apart. Um, you know, like, for example, one of the reasons, like, that kind of intrigued me, or which I felt to go from being a head coach to being an assistant at Oklahoma, uh, not only did I was going to work for a coach that I, I really enjoyed working for, but going to Oklahoma, I felt like le- legitimately had a chance to win a national championship.
2: Wow.
1: And I can't say that would have been the case at other places. And that's not knocking them by no means, nothing like that. But when you talk about going to a place where you realistically have a chance to win a national championship, then, you know, it kind of, when you look at it from that perspective, you know, it kind of puts a different light on things as far as what kind of opportunities you want to have.
0: So, coach. In closing, we got a couple more topics, and um, right now, the current right, right now is the pandemic, and you know, this this virus that hit us real real crazy, and um, <clears throat> you know, we use basketball as a as a point of uh, a release, getting rid of stress, and you know, just dealing with a lot of things. How how are you dealing with? Because we was out of basketball for a while now, and you know, I mean, to a point where it's like, you know, it was stressful not being able to. You know, see your, see your clients, see be able to play, just, just be in a gym. How how did that affect you and in, in, um, how you dealt with the whole time this past year? You know, uh, it was really, really
1: odd as a coach, especially when we got finished with our season. You know, usually typically for a coach, the next thing, as far as in your routine, man, you go from you get done with the season, you take a couple of weeks off, you go to spring break, and all of a sudden, you're back with your guys. Mm-hmm. You're back to spring workouts. You're back to postseason workouts. You kind of, you know, getting geared up to move on into the summer. Well, none of that happened. So, you know, when the pandemic struck, you know, man, you're at home and you don't have access to your players. You can't work them out. You know, you can't get in the gym with them. None of that was happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, that was really, really strange. Uh, For me, personally, as a coach, I love being in the gym. For sure. So uh, I like being in the gym with the guys, like being in the gym. I just feel that's a place where I want to be. But obviously not having that uh, created a huge kind of gap in my day-to-day routine. And obviously spent a lot of time just at the house, kind of being in isolation, that kind of thing, and being away from, you know, even when you're going to work and that kind of thing, just kind of strictly being in the office um you know i think like right now you know obviously programs are kind of working that way you know obviously back in the practices and that kind of thing where it's still just kind of odd right uh, right because of just you have to you can't you want to be positive but there's just the chance that man all of a sudden someone tests positive mm. and you don't know what's ahead in the next few weeks with your team right uh, mm. and now probably more than ever you have to plan for right now
2: mm.
1: while you know you got your guys because you don't know what's going to be down the road with this thing right so you right. don't know how it's going <laughs> to affect your team I right. don't know whether it's going to affect one guy, whether it's going to affect your entire team. So you have to kind of really be thinking, you know, a lot of times coaches when, you know, when we plan or when we think about stuff, we kind of have stuff in sequence as you go down the line where, man, the first two weeks I want to have this. By this date I want to have this in. I want our team to kind of look, have this type of look. Whereas, it's not that per se you got to just really rush and throw everything on your team right now but you just have to kind of look at it a little bit differently,
2: Right. Um,
1: But then also you factor in, man, like most guys, you know, I'm sure some programs, but didn't have that summer experience. So, man, where they had to summer school, where they can work on their bodies, where they can get in better shape, where they can get stronger, where they can work on the game. Mm. You know, a lot of programs didn't have summer, period. We were fortunate enough to be able to bring our guys in and, mid-July yeah. but then because of everything it was touch and go right right so right. you know a lot of teams and programs didn't even have that experience so when they bring their guys back I mean it's still teams across the country that you know just aren't having full practices right now right and you are talking about our season opening up on November the 25th so it's just really really strange um just a lot different um you know even for our probably more important, like for players, you know, man, just the whole thing where they go from three to four months, just kind of being secluded with their families and not being around a team, not being, having that concept of being around the guys. And, and man, so, you know, I even think it's taking a toll on players from the mental standpoint as well. Not only it affects their bodies because they hadn't gotten the, the regular regiment that they've been used to. But you know, even from a mental standpoint, uh, man, just you know, not really having that experience to really get get you prepared,
0: right? For, you know, and it can be a catch twenty-two because you know, some kids, you know, I won't say, you know, safe as the word, but most kids, some kids are much better off in school than they at home because of their Absolutely. environments. Absolutely, you
1: know what I mean. So you so, so, mentioned yeah. that um, because I do think it's been a challenge for a lot of student athletes to now just go strictly to the online approach and, you know, everything being virtual, um, you know, most athletes are hands-on. For sure. You know? uh, but having an experience, man, with you not in that in-class setting where you're having the interaction with your professor, uh, even from the standpoint of, man, just being able to keep up as far as when stuff is due, uh, when assignments are due. And, and then, you know, it's, then you, you know, if you are some places, they are going to class, but then you, you know, you have the whole whole risk about the pandemic, about, you know, your environment and your whereabouts and that kind of thing.
2: Right. Yeah, It's right. a the challenge. In our timeout session today, We got Reverend Dallas H. Wilson.
3: And he said, he said, you came here from New York and you have all these stories. Let me see you do something about it. Mm. Let me see you make the stories have some life.
5: Mm.
3: And I said, well, what would you see us doing that would cause you to believe that what we're saying is the truth? He said, well, we have a lot of murders in our community and I'd like to see something that would change murders in our community. And I said, "Well, what about us looking at a, a, a basketball tournament?" He said, "You see what our park looks like." That was his his retort back to me. I said, "Well, let's fix the park." He said, "We can't get any money from the city. We can't get any money from this. We can't do that." Well, the long and short of that is, he and John, who ran the shoe shine, and Willie, who has since all three of since gone home to be with the Lord. We sat down, just the four of us. We talked about a plan that I had to, and we put it on
0: paper. Now, let's get back to the interview. So, you know, overall coaching philosophy, um, being that you've you know been in the business for thirty years and did with so much different schools, so much different coaches, and you pick different things from different coaches to apply, what's your overall philosophy? And two-part answer: as a head coach, for one, and then as an assistant coach, when it applies to you know your 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 job in helping the head coach, because see some. And this is, again, it's for audience that, that want to know because, you know, sometimes assistant coach can be threatening to a head coach if that assistant coach is a little bit more, you know, experienced or a little bit more. Sometimes you got to hold back and not say anything because you don't want to step on toes. But at the same time, what help are you if you're not being opinionated, right? right. So the head coach got to understand that, hey, this is my value. I'm a little younger. But what if that assistant coach that has the information not strong in their conviction about getting information to him? So ask those questions about your first, your uh, overall philosophy of of the game as a head coach and then your the overall philosophy of the job description when it comp- compares to assistant coach helping the head coach.
1: Yeah, you know, as a head coach, one, I had to really, or I felt like, um, I don't want to use the words. Well, yeah, I'll use it in a sense where as a head coach, I was the CEO per se of the program.
2: Right.
1: So that meant a lot of things had to kind of maybe fall on my plate as far as the final decision. Correct. Uh, But yet I've always been big on getting input from people around me, coaches, even players. Right. Um, So that part, I had an understanding that still a lot of the decision-making or the final decision-making was going to be on my part, but yet I felt it was important for me to listen uh, to people around me, the people that we were working together with, assistant coaches, players, administrators, everybody involved uh, to get input or to get feedback. Now, as far as, I've always felt this, and this goes on both sides, as an assistant and as a head coach. I've always felt one of my main purposes as a coach, if not the main purpose, is to serve. So what I mean by that, I really feel like this profession or this business is a service-based business. Mm. So, you know, for me as a head coach, it's my job to serve our players. I've got to help them be successful uh, other than basketball, help them grow and develop as, as young men and then put them in position and to help them understand the importance of them getting their degrees mm. and then put them in position to be successful basketball wise. So I've always kind of categorized in those three areas. Um, but, you know, when it came to, Man, really, really, as a head coach, making sure it was important for me as a head coach to really, really have great relationships with my players. For sure. All of them. That was extremely important. Some coaches, head coaches, that's not really that important. That thing is, man, put them in a position to, man, to be, be really good basketball players. Right. Uh, but, you know, I felt that was really important for me as a head coach. Uh, so I, I, man, I, that was huge for me. I spent a lot of time with my guys, guys coming to the office, guys come to the house to spend a lot of time with them. Cause I really wanted to create that true family type atmosphere and have that culture in the sense that we all cared about one another in the sense that we really didn't want to let nobody else down right. or anyone else that was a part of our, our family per se. So, you know, I think, Two, you got to – when I talk about the CEO part of it, one of the things I learned at a young age is that you have to be able to manage your people.
2: Mm.
1: So that means assistant coaches. That means players. Mm. I've got to figure out a way to get the most out of them. So even from my coaches, uh, even from players, I've got to figure out a way to get the most out of them in every aspect. And so those are some things that are really, really important to me as a head coach. As an assistant coach, you know, I feel like one of my main roles was to help make the head coach's job easier. Mm. So now i got to figure out, i got to think ahead, i got to kind of look at things, not only from my perspective, but try to view things from his perspective, mm. the head coach. Um, so that now, you know, hopefully – as much as I can, as an assistant, okay, to take off the head coach's plate. Mm. So that may be something that is, man, we got one of our players, we got some issues with him, or man, I gotta try to figure that out and and get that resolved, so hopefully it doesn't get to him. Mm. Because if it gets to him, the decision-making process might be out of my hands. Mm. Uh, So, you know, that was very important for me uh, of just really trying to make sure that that side of things is my role, um, per se, directly to the head coach, and how I could make or my job responsibility was one of my goals was to make his job easier. So hopefully, all he had to think about was coaching the team. Gotcha. Um, other things, though, you know, as far as, you know, when you talk about the relationship side of it. Uh, I think it's a little bit different because you and I don't get me wrong. As an assistant, you and I may be able to talk about some things that you may not feel comfortable talking to the head coach about, For Sure. Uh, you know, but yet I've got to try to figure out in our way or my way, man, how can we have the best lines of communication? For sure. For sure. Uh, because, I can't or don't want to be reading your mind. Right. Uh, I want to know exactly what you're feeling. So for me, not only do I look at it from the coach's eyes, the head coach's eyes, so a lot of times now, even as an assistant coach and I've been a head coach, but now I really try to look at it from the player's perspective. Hmm. Now that doesn't mean I'm thinking like a player,
2: Hmm. Hmm.
1: but a lot of times you, you may have said something just a second ago in our conversations, man, you just wanted to, you felt good about being heard, being listened to, right. and, and knowing that you can communicate.
2: Right. right, So
1: that part, to me, as far as on that level, is very, very integral and is very, very important. Because in order for us to communicate on the level that we need to, uh, man, I gotta have an understanding about who you are, you gotta have an understand about who I am, but more importantly, I gotta understand about who you are.
2: Right.
1: And and and, and that part is man will determine how you and I will communicate. Now, yeah. I may communicate with a different player in a different way, for sure, or maybe the same way, for sure. So sure. that part, and then you know, once I got past that, you know, it's about then the day-to-day stuff, man. About you know, coaching, motivating, teaching, uh, you know as far as man learning the game and all that, you know, just helping understand the importance of going to class, academics, you know, yet times and things to help you grow, uh, role model, however you want to look at it. uh, Because I think that's important too, For sure, Uh, man, that, you know, when our players look at me, they look at someone who serves as an example, of someone that's doing it the right way and has their best interests at heart. For sure. Uh, so those are some, 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 some things that, you know, when you look at roles and responsibilities and philosophy as an assistant as opposed to a head coach. But I've always believed this, man, my purpose in, you know, coaching is, man, to help guys grow and to serve. And, and to serve our players. Players, serving the players is, is probably the number one responsibility for me.
0: <clears throat> and talking about players um, and recruiting, being an assistant coach, you got to recruit and you got to look at players. What interests you from players would be like, you know what? I like this player because they do X, Y, Z. And what turns you away with some characteristics that are good and some characteristics that are bad that players need to, because they think they got 25 points a game and they're six, seven that is, is just all good. And it's, right. it's, it's not. It's all about attitude. Talk about some things that you can identify, you know, like it's like out, being around a game so long, you walk into a gym, you can tell a player by the way right. he walk, by the way he carries bag, just by anything else. So. Talk about some getting bad things that you identified. That you'd be like, you know what, you know, a kid may had a bad game, but that's a good kid. Or yeah. this kid that had 25. But you know what? Not a good foot. What are what are some of those things so right. the can know? Right.
1: That? You know some of the things on the on the positive that I really try to uh, look for. You know, one is a player a player's feel for the game. I always just like to use the phrase, knowing how to play. Mm. Um, where, man, you know, some guys are just so – players you see where, man, all they know is get the ball in their hands and try to drive into score or try yeah. to go score. You know, how – what are they doing to help their teammates be better players? Or can they play without the ball in their hands? Or, you know, can they go set a screen, like you said, know how to make their read off the screen – whether I'm open to pop back or, or or guys that just play unselfishly. Um, You know, so those are some things that, you know, I look for, but then when it comes to skill stuff, you know, it depends on the position, but when you're talking about perimeter guys, some of the basics dribbling, passing, shooting, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, can they do those three things? Uh, You know, maybe are they elite at one or two of those three things? Um, at the at the time and then the two things probably that I look at the most after that is how hard a guy plays mm-hmm. and body language mm-hmm. and man if that can be good or bad sometimes it can be a deal breaker right mm-hmm. because if you man are maybe talented but you don't play hard uh mm-hmm. man that that sometimes can can be man a, a big time struggle for guys when they get into college because the game is played at a different level. And if you got bad body language, that tells me that you're probably selfish. Uh, that that maybe man you just really kind of into yourself. Uh, you know you're not really concerned about giving positive energy to your team or cheering somebody else on. Uh, so those are some things that probably would be turnoffs to me. Uh, obviously, you know there are certain things. You know, obviously on the defensive side, you know, if a guy can defend, uh, but you know, sometimes you know if you can do certain things well enough, still that that may, you know, coaches may see some things on the defensive side and say, well, okay, we can we, we can we can help with that, you know, right. um, but. And then also versatility, guys that can play multiple positions. And that's where kind of the game, you see the game, that's where the game is now. Right now, right. You know, there's, there's very few in that, You know, you can say, yeah, most teams have a center, but the game, man, is going to positionless basketball. Right. So when guys are so caught up in playing a certain position nowadays, man, that's, that's not the mentality to have.
0: Right. You got um, to be able to pass. You got to be able to go from yeah. a triple threat no yeah. pun intended, from a triple threat position and be able to read, react. But I that's want to right. touch base on what you said earlier about the education of the game. In as a college coach, I tell my players all the time, if you're up two points and you're shooting two shots, it's 10 team fouls, and you pull a three-pointer, it's not a good look. Right. That's, that's, that's not a good look. That's right. How you score 20 points a game is – Two layups a quarter, right? Mm-hmm. Try to get two layups a quarter. Mm-hmm. That's sixteen points in a full quarter game.
5: Mm-hmm. Now how do
0: I get twenty? Seventeen fouls and 10 team t-fouls. I'm driving. I make right. my four points from the line. I do that without sweating. Right. You know that covers. Right. That covers you. You playing the passing lanes and defense to get to get the ball. Mm-hmm. High percentage shots, right? Yep. And then yep. thinking about the game, right. So like, like right. that's the education when you talking about what coaches come to see. Yep. I'm talking about body language. Everybody, if you if you got a jersey on, you in that game, you sit on the bench. Everybody, mama know you want to put want to put the ball through the hole.
1: Right, right. We know that. Yep.
0: So if you turn the ball over, if you miss a shot, what's the point of going being erratic?
1: Right, right. Like the next right.
0: play is starting. That's like, right. nobody wants to see that. You, 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 you want everybody know that you upset. You must have shot everybody in the gym. Know you upset. Right. Yeah, right. we upset for you. Slow needs to get right. So that's the, right. The that's with right. all that.
1: Right, you know? right.
0: That's right. So, like, right. Those, that and you hit on those points what those players need to hear. Hear, yeah. from, You know, hear from someone like yourself.
1: Yep. Yeah. Absolutely, man. It's you got to be able to go on to the next play because, the, and that's the thing when you know. When if guys don't understand that at an early age or w- before they get to college, man, they're gonna have a hard time uh, because now the environment's gonna change, and now you know you're gonna have guys that man that have it figured out. They said, "Man, well, okay, man,
0: he 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 a mental wreck." Yeah, you, you are gonna cause more problems yeah. to the team. Yeah. not kind of a coach yeah. got a looks like a, a kid in class. Mm -hmm. You do something in the class, this teacher has got to deal with you versus teaching her class. Right. You're a total distraction. No coaches want to deal with that. That's right. He made
2: a name for himself as a star for the College of Charleston basketball teams in the mid to late 90s. And now, Jamel President is doing what he can to make sure that the Charleston area kids have a chance to succeed on the court and in life.
0: So I want to give some of that back to the community as well. Um, after college and after playing professionally, uh, I started the Day Foundation just to to be that wealth of knowledge to the kids in the community and, and parents as well.
4: College of Charleston Hall of Famer Jamel President said he saw a need for
2: this while he was in school, so he founded the nonprofit Day Foundation. And its philosophy for success is based on what he calls his oatmeal recipe. Let's
0: go and finish together.
2: Basically, teaches the game of basketball focusing on skills, development, nutrition, and education. Not only SAT, ACT type stuff, but education for parents in how to navigate through the different levels of athletics.
0: In closing, you know, the opening recipe is what the Day Foundation has designed. And, you know, the NBA great Rick Barry, who I played for in the USBL, is, you know, has, you know, co-signed my um, the opening recipe. And the opening recipe is skill development, we talked about, yep. education, and nutrition. Talk about those three things and how they're important in your daily life. And we start with we start with skill development.
1: Yep, yep. You know the skill development is uh, extremely important. I'm very passionate about player development.
0: And let I me mean, cut you off. But let me make sure I, I left something out. When I talk about skill development, open recipe. I'm talking about skill development from a basketball standpoint and from a life standpoint because you got to be skilled in what you do. So I just want to add that caveat in there. I'm talking about skill development from both sides.
1: Yep. And, you know, one of the things about the skill development, I tell guys all the time, especially young guys, the sooner you do it, the better off you're going to be, is that you develop a regimen so that, man, you have a daily schedule that you know Mm. that you are setting aside for just everything that you're doing. Mm. Uh, not only just your basketball, but man, if you're in high school and you know you gotta set aside two hours a day outside of school to hit your books, put that in your schedule. Mm. If you know basketball-wise, you wanna try to go in the mornings before you get to school for hour and a half, and then you wanna go in the evenings for another two hours, put that in your schedule. Mm. If you know that you wanna do some weight training or some conditioning or something on the on that side of it, man, put that in your schedule. You so all that training. does, yeah, exactly. So you can look at your day-to-day deal and it simplifies it, mm. okay? It simplifies it in the sense that you know, I've gotta do this at this particular time, I gotta do this at that particular time, and it just helps you manage your time and everything that you're doing. But on the, even the basketball side of it, you got to know, just like anything else, man, if you really want to get better at this game, you got to spend extra time on it. Hmm. And you got to spend extra time really working in the right way uh, as far as developing your game. So, you know, like even like now, you know, guys in college, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. And I just because I was fortunate enough to be around them. Uh, and that's Blake Griffin when he was at the University of Oklahoma.
2: Right.
1: And, but the year that he decided to come back, and that was his sophomore year, you know, his regiment on a day-to-day basis was like clockwork. Mm. I mean, the guy would get up in the mornings, he'd do his weights. And this all stuff on his own. And he would come back after weights, he would do his shooting and then he would go do his class stuff. He would come back about an hour and a half before practice. Then he's doing more shooting. Mm. Then he would practice for two and a half hours. And then he was the last guy leaving the gym every day, staying out there, working on free throws and that. And that was his day, every single day, mm. every day. And that was his regimen. Mm. And, you know, so guys have to understand that, that they, they, they got to have that somewhere uh, in their day-to-day deal so they can know and help them give some balance and some, some stuff that's kind of mapped out so they'll have a plan as far as what they're working on, uh, what they're working for. So the skill development is it's huge. Uh, man, getting in the gym, I'm always trying to find new ways to get guys better. Uh, I believe in a couple of things. You know, getting the proper amount of reps on something that you want to get better at but also, you know, in the skill development side of it, it's got to be stuff that you do, and you got to know and understand how it can be translated to the game, Okay, so, man, don't, you can't go out, and I'm just using for example, you can't go out there and work on James Harden's moves, and, man, you know, you ain't gonna be able to do James Harden moves right. with your team. That's
0: a fast I mean, break, that's a fast break move, it that's
1: it. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So you gotta be able to do stuff that's gonna translate to the game and and still a lot of the stuff, man, comes back to the basic fundamentals, being really, really good at ball anime, being a really, really good passer, being able to shoot, having good feet, you know, and, and stuff like that. So you know that's got to translate, and then you know, obviously, always looking at, at, at things to or different ways to teach stuff, or different ways to kind of get more things involved in the skill development side of it. And, but you know, even you know, video
0: just you go down the line, just right, different right. ways, different things to, to
1: help that player get
0: better. All right. Um, the second one is is education. You know. And we talked about, you said, you did horrible, you know, your first year coming out of school, and I did too. And education from a standpoint from the books, then education about the games. I gave you a little education on how to score 20 points. Like, had I had that education, you know, I I could extend my career. And had -hmm. I I understood, you know, the power of reading. Like, when I read now and I hear stories and hear other words are used, I use that into my vernacular, which I I sound like a genius, but it just because I read that, right. saw that was used, put it into my repertoire. Now I, I'm saying something you don't know what I'm saying, so I, I sound a little bit more smart because I had a little bit more education and I, I sacrificed all so my time to do. Talk about those two things and how they apply, and how important they are they. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. You know, and that, and that's huge. And I'll start on the academic side of it first, that you know, especially for college guys or even players that have goals, you know, to go to college, is that one, you know, you've got, it's gotta, the education side of it has to be important to you now, if you're in high school.
2: Right.
1: Uh, even if you're in junior high. Uh, first and foremost, I mean, it's gotta be important to you because you gotta understand that you're gonna need that tool of education, having your degree, you know, down the road. Right. But also, the rules force you to be that you you have to make it important because if you don't, then your windows of opportunity uh, it's gonna shrink because of the rules. So you have to get yourself eligible. You have to meet certain requirements to whether the ACT, the SAT, Clearinghouse, your core courses. So when you understand that those things are really important at an early age and become somewhat successful at it, then that's gonna kind of lay the foundation you know, as far as when you go to college. Sure. Like, right now, you know, when you can get to college, and obviously when you can prioritize your academics and it's important to it and you take care of that, then that only alleviates the obstacles that's going to be in front of you from a basketball standpoint. So now, you know, you you remove the possibility of being an ultra. You can now, you know, maybe per se, if you're not doing well, and then you got to have more study hall time because you're not taking care of your academics, well, that may be some time that could go towards your basketball.
2: Right.
1: Uh, so there's things that, you know, and even in a sense, man, that you got to understand truly that you're getting a degree is going to have a tremendous amount of value to you, your family, or whomever in your future. For sure. The next thing, you know, about the education side of it, even from a basketball standpoint, is that. You know, it's important that you know kind of what you're getting yourself into. Uh, Like for example, man, if you know that you want to be a really, really good basketball player, then you gotta find different ways and you gotta take in information. You gotta be able to process information. So that's a, a, exactly. That's another part of learning. So if if I'm a coach, and i give you two plays okay but man you're not taking the time to really learn those plays you're just thinking well okay i'm just going to learn it on the fly when i get my my chance so i just get out there and i just kind of wing it well that in itself shows that you're not processing the information that's been given to you so that in the sense that you're not okay whether it's As far as education, you have to be able to receive. Obviously, information is going to be given to you. But just like anything, when you're in a classroom, a professor gives you information, you got to be able to receive and take in that information and process it. Right. So the same thing is on the basketball side of it as well, even about the game, learning the game, terminology. All those things are important. And then, you know – oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: You made a good point about terminology and figure it out. And I want to make this analogy with, like – setting a screen, right? Mm-hmm. You got curls straight to the ball, flares, and all three of those, those, those screens is, is designed at a certain time. Right. You can't use a, a wrench and a screwdriver's screw. Right. So you right. As, a, as, a, as a worker compared to a basketball player, got to understand the plays, understand the tools that go with those plays, understand what type of tools needed for that type of play. Right.
1: Right, that's right.
0: And that's, that's how right. deep it is. Because if you were a coach and you're in a play and this and this man he goes through the middle, and if you don't flare, exactly. Same thing exactly. on the defensive right. side. Right. On the scouting report, this man is a shooter. The scout player say he's a shooter. If you go under, you coming out right.
1: the game. That's right. That's right. That's and right. And even if you even that's- if
0: you go over the top, if you know to go over the top. If you don't get that arm the head and push out and go to the top correctly, you're not going to mm-hmm. play. Right. And that's right. how deep the education part of it is when that's it comes right. to the full full focus of the game.
1: Right? Right. And it's interesting that you said and I think you maybe touched on just a second ago where you know, through education, through repetition, but also you did you said it I think a minute ago about how quickly stuff happens. Quickly, okay? And man, you got to be able to make quick <laughs> decisions. But cool also, team. if you know, just like you said, on the Sky Report, you know how we would go on the Sky Report even with Charleston. Only certain guys guarded certain people. For sure. So you had your matchups. So it may be three names up there that's guarding Jamel President, mm-hmm. all right? So your job is to know what he does. And you gotta know how to defend him. Right. Because like you said, if you know, man, he's a shooter, then you got to lock and chase every time. Then you got to program that in your mind that you got to do that every time. And it's got to happen.
0: But if you, you don't know, but if you don't know what a lock and chase is, or that time right. to do that, you're not going to be effective. So that's, that's right. It has nothing to do with talent. Right, that's right, right. That's the education of right. the game that they're missing. And they're like, you know what, I can put it on the floor. I can shoot it. Man, I averaged 34 yeah. points in this school. Well, you're not applying the right tools right. to the system, bro.
1: That's right. That's right, that's right. You've got
0: to be able to think the game. And so you got to have, uh, go ahead, I'm sorry. You know, nutrition is the last one. And I talk about nutrition, you know, I hate to go to these tournaments and I see kids with sodas and Skittles and, you know, all, like just, they don't know the body is, is, a, is very important when it comes to, you know, performing at a high level. And nutrition is, is huge in that. How do you feel about nutrition in, when it comes to, to sports and performance? I mean, it,
1: it's vital. It's vital. And uh, that's something that we're constantly talking to our guys about the nutrition side of it. Um, you know, even something as simple as, man, make sure every morning you get up and eat a good breakfast. Uh, because what a lot of, even like younger guys, even before they get to college, and even college guys, they don't understand how much energy they're burning on a regular day. Just getting up, going to class, you got weights. you got conditioning, you got practice. Um, you are just constantly burning calories. Sure. You're constantly just taking out of your body. So putting in the proper things in your body is gonna help that energy level. Uh, it's gonna help your performance level. It's gonna help your recovery level. Sure. And so, you know, the nutrition side of it is huge. And uh, so that's something that we're constantly on our guys about eating right. and. And you take, for example, like young kids, like you said, when you see a lot of the fast food bags, well like, even like now, I don't, I'm not encouraging fast food, but usually fast food places now have a healthier choice. They do, they do. Okay, you do. so you might, instead of like, man getting a quarter pound of extra onions, pickles, mayonnaise, and a side of fries, well man, maybe get you a grilled chicken sandwich Maybe on a wheat bun, lettuce, tomato, mayonnaise. Sure, and like all like restaurants now may even have a different side, like maybe a fruit cup or sliced apple. Right. Yeah, 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 and put that into your body if you want to eat something quick and something like that. But you know the the, the diet part is huge. Diet and also hydration. Uh, that man, you got to make sure that you put the right amount of fluids in your body. And, and all that helps everything. Your breathing, your man. You, you, We just talked about the mental side of it. Being able
0: to think, uh, you got to be sharp. And uh, so, yeah, the nutrition is huge. I think and your body not- is your body is like a car, and your head is the motor. You know, right. you can't drive a Lexus and you put an 87 octane in a Lexus. Right. You know that's what I mean? Right. You're an optimum athlete. You put 93 octane into your body, and that's right. the reason why the old meal recipe became the name because. Open recipe is very inexpensive, mm-hmm. but it's protein, and what, what fuels the body is our is, is protein is our muscle. So if you feed the, right. the if you feed the muscle protein, that's your fuel for endurance. Yep, yep. So coach, I promise my last question. Yep, yep. <clears throat> and right now, athletes got likeness to they, to their names right now. They can t- so-called get paid per se. I feel. It been felt that way before the, 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 the subject started coming out, the athletes should get a stipend. Here's my thing on a stipend. I feel whatever the stipend is across the board, if it's fifty thousand dollars, an athlete should get twenty-five thousand as a freshman. If they graduate, they get another twenty-five. And here's why. We in, we in high school four years of college. I didn't work, I don't know if you did. Then you get in college. Us, we spent four years of college. Didn't work because we under scholarship. So you eight to ten years out of the job market. If you got mm-hmm. injured or you got um, if you if you prop, whatever you spend send out a year, you eight to ten years out of the market. Like, and if you don't get a contract, you're ending your your collegiate year. That year and a half is crucial for development. That's where eighty percent of athletes can't figure it out between their senior year in college and then. Mm-hmm. And another year from that so he ended up working a job not saying nothing wrong with that but you didn't you didn't spend 10 years of developing working on your craft to be working at a gas station right you right. know what I mean so right. Right. I think our development and the sacrifice we, we, we do and I know and I let you talk on that I know they got something about the, uh, the attendance field I don't know about all that stuff I'm, I'm trying to yep. Marcus Woods was telling me about that so talk about that and, 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 and give some audience some education on what's going on now and, and, and some backstory behind all that.
1: And then... Yeah. You know, uh, obviously, from the worker standpoint, athletes can work while they're on scholarship. That uh,
0: changed recently?
1: Uh, but they can only get a certain amount of dollars. It, it's like a cap on the amount that you can get. Um, but the thing that most schools have gone to now is what is called the cost of attendance.
0: That's what I meant. Yeah.
1: And uh so yeah, so now that could range. That could be five hundred dollars a year. It could be thirty five hundred dollars a year. And then you know most in most situations or cases it's divided up in different increments. Gotcha. Uh, but you know that is a is a really, really good resource because now it does give student-athletes the opportunity or some compensation to help them aside, you know, just from just, you know, being on scholarship and, and getting all that paid for. So, you know, that is something that, that, that's good. You know, whether, you know, if it gets to where student-athletes are, uh, which I thought was a great perspective and how you mentioned that about, well, if they are able to get compensated, in a different fashion that, you know, they get paid X amount and then maybe get another X amount when they complete their degree. Right. Uh, and that, that I think, is, is a really, really good idea. But I think that, you know, certainly, too, from the standpoint of, you know, like a lot of the – I take, for example, like most student athletes still can get Pell Grant. That's depending on their family, parents' situation. Right. So that's a good chunk of money. Right. That's totally theirs. And if if you're getting – you know, cost of attendance, Uh, you know. So now you got a chance to be, I'm just saying if you get cost of attendance of three grand and then all of a sudden you get 4,500 from Pell Grant and now you're talking about what, $7,500, that's straight money that's yours for the year. Right. Right. Um, And that's been the case at some places that I've been. And you know, in those situations and, and circumstances, man, we strongly encourage hey, man, take some of that money and save it. Right. right. You know, guys want to spend money on this, that, and the other, the video games, the shoes, all that. Right. And I get it. Right. Everybody right. wants to get you, get yourself something nice. Right. Right. Or, you know, reward yourself a little bit, but man, don't just blow that money. For sure. Where man, you, you're talking about, you know, if that's the case at, at a particular school, you're talking about coming in as a freshman. And at the end of your freshman year, it's no question that you should have at least five grand in the bank, for sure. cashed away, for sure. and continue to build and continue to save. And I think that's a part of too when you talk about a different side of the education for about sure. man being able to save your money and and use it wisely, being frugal with it, and uh, you know, kind of preparing yourself for the long term. For sure. Uh, so yeah, so you know, there are some avenues out there now that and I think are you know definitely helping student athletes on that side of it from the financial standpoint uh, because you know even though a lot of times their education is paid for they do have you know some things and that they need to help even with their families or right. come from all a couple come different situations you know right. so uh, yeah you know there are some things out there that uh, they still have some places most schools still have the uh, needy student fund which is like, you know, a refund, or excuse me, a, a fund you can pull from. That you have to go to your compliance people if you need eyeglasses, contacts, you know, things like that that are, you know, some, sort of, some of the necessities gotcha. that uh, they may not be able to take care of on their own, um, gotcha. you know, sometimes with insurance and stuff like that.
0: So, yeah. <clears throat> well, Coach Betts, man, listen, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate your time. I appreciate, you know, the – the, the gym and the, and the time we spent, you know, what I'm saying I can, you know, call you a friend and call you a coach and I appreciate all the things that, you know, I seen, you know, you've done and, and was that example and, you know, and, and that's the reason why you know, I always looked at you as a, as a leader and someone that, you know, you know, males need to young males need to, you know, be an example of so I appreciate you for for being for being that being that guy.
1: Same thing, man. Obviously, we go way back, man, and our experiences at the College of Charleston. And I've watched you grow, too, into what you're doing and what you're doing with the community and making an impact with these kids. And you've always done that. And uh, so, man, I'm, I'm very honored and appreciative to be on your podcast, man. And uh, and obviously, you know, from a personal standpoint, looking forward to continuing our our friendship as well. For sure. For sure.
2: Well, I appreciate it. I'll let you get back to your dinner tonight,
1: man. I appreciate right. your time, man. All right, man. Take care. All right, Coach. All right, Jamal. See you.
2: Peace. So there it goes, guys. Another one in the books. Um, again, it was a great interview. And uh, from from hearing what Coach Betts is saying, you know, it's all about who you know, um, your relationships, things you do, um, you know, coming up. Whatever career you're pursuing, very important to have great relationships, have a great track record with people. Um, So coming up next, we got Stacy Harris, played at the college uh, about two years as well. Great guy, great husband, um, great player as well. So uh,
4: we'll be right back. What Jamel is doing with the Day Foundation and. The approach he's taking to help develop young athletes, first of all, getting them prepared from the academic standpoint, which as you know as well as I do, Bobby, that's the most important element to try to get them to eat healthy, to be able to train properly, to get the proper education, and then hopefully for those who are talented enough to have a chance to move on. To perhaps even get a free education by going off to college. But I love what Jermell is doing. It's a wonderful program. Hopefully more people in the community will get behind it and some of the businesses involved as well to help sponsor this program. Because these are the kind of things that every community needs. Looking out for the best interest of the youth. The future of this country is in our youth. And everything that we can do to help prepare them better for that is absolutely wonderful. And, and I can't express adequately enough my admiration and respect for what Jamel is doing and hopefully he'll get a lot of help from a lot of people.
0: You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month.